Well, hello, and uh, welcome back to the Cincy Reformed Podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm here with uh, my co-pastor, Pastor Brandon. We are pastors of Westside Reformed Church, and uh, this week we want to uh, talk with you a little bit about uh, Wicca and uh, witchcraft. Um, interestingly, in uh, 2018, uh, the magazine Newsweek uh, ran an article and it was uh, discussed a study that showed that there are actually more uh, Wicca in the United States than there are uh, Presbyterians. So it estimated that um, the Wicca population number is about 1.5 million. And uh, surprising to me to read that and uh, probably surprising to, to many of you as well. But um, I think we can look around us and it starts making more sense when we start to see just how it is uh, pervading the uh, popular culture that surrounds us. And oftentimes that is uh, related to how popular it is within um, real life. But uh, Brandon has done a bit of a study in the uh, sphere of the occult and in the, fear of, the sphere of Wicca and so, uh, Brandon, could you tell us a little bit about um, your studies, some of the background, and what you've, what you've done? Yeah, so I took a uh, class in my undergraduate called Theology of the Cults. And uh, one of the assignments in the class was we had to pick a, a cult group, and we had to study them. We had to write a paper on them, and then we had to evangelize someone that was part of that cult. And so it was an interesting project. And so, uh, you know, people were choosing Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness or this or that. And um, I decided to choose Wicca. And I, it, was, it was kind of weird, actually. You know, I went to, I think it was Half Price Books and got all these, like, Wiccan witchcraft books and felt kind of like, I don't know, weird going up to the counter telling the man, I'm, I'm not, you know, in this, but this is, you know, purely academic. Um, and, uh, but even, like, in the study of it was just weird. Like, I would always begin by just reading the Bible, praying, you know, I, I don't want, you know, this to affect me. This is uh, really for the purpose of how do we reach Wiccans for Christ? And even within that class, I knew that I had to reach out to a Wiccan, and we had to have a conversation. And so wanting to, to kind of know a little bit about what they believe in, 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 in a way that I can or that I could um, speak Christ to that, to that person. So that's kind of the background of why I wrote a paper on Wicca to begin with. So, so what are the um, historical origins of it? Um, what, uh, how did this arise? Give us some of those um, you know, historical foundations if you could. So the, uh, the Wiccan religion is a bit eclectic, and it's also a bit modern. Um, uh, one of the big figures who really helped shape the modern American uh, view, uh, idea of Wicca is Gerald Gardner. He was an amateur folklorist in the mid-20th century, and he actually built his ideas on, on, on the back of the ideas of Margaret Murray. Margaret Murray uh, was writing in a decade earlier than him, and she was writing about the existence of this underground kind of pagan faith of European folk magic, and she, kept, she would call that the Dianatic cult. And so he kind of, building on, on her, developed this 
this movement that he called Wicca. Gardner was a Freemason, and so a lot of the rituals that they would do in the, Mas in the, in the Masonic lodges, he would maybe tweak or repackage in a way and deploy that in Wicca and how that they would do their Wiccan ceremonies. Uh, he he was interested in Asian philosophy, so you get kind of a, an Eastern Asian twist here and there to some of the Wiccan practices here in America. He was also a nudist. He joined a nudist colony in the mid-1930s. And it says, the, you know, as the story goes, uh, while he was in New Forest, Gardner came across a coven of witches. It fascinated him, and he joined in 1939. And he was very much in the uh, kind of the, the free love culture. Uh, he would have you know, a lot of different um, sexual rituals that he would do with this coven of, of witches. But as Wicca was taking shape under Gardner, in fact, some people call his flavor of Wicca Barnarian. And he, he wrote s several books, but as he was as he was kind of bringing shape to this religion, he called it Wicca and not witchcraft. He chose Wicca. Now, Wicca means to bend or to shape, but uh, Gardner says that Wicca, the way he's using it, means a uh, wise one. <clears throat> and um, so that's it's actually a more modern phenomenon. There are, there are some who will point to um, kind of really ancient root, roots. It's called the matriarchal myth. And the matriarchal myth uh, basically says that, that uh, Wicca has been around since the Paleolithic times. And so there's this kind of myth and, and all of that about the, the origin. And people point to early pagans and the Celts and, and all of these things. But in terms of Wicca in America and the practices and what we have uh, today, it's, it's a bit more of a modern thing. Uh, one, one author that was writing on the history of Wicca said this. Uh, they said, historian Ronald Hutton notes that compared to ancient European religions and archaeological evidence, contemporary Wicca rituals and language of modern magic spells have no roots prior to the 1900s. Over time, the rituals and practices espoused by Gardner's work have been adopted by Wiccans, even though his witchcraft texts were his personal creation and not something handed to him from an ancient tradition. And the writer uh, ends by saying, Wicca is not a revival pagan religion, but a modern invention. Hmm. That's very interesting. So then, um, the what, what then would you say then that they believe? Do they have a god they worship? What, what exactly forms the structure of Wiccan belief as it has been uh, mod like devised in, this, in these modern times? So uh, and it's hard to like paint with a broad brush and say, here's what Wiccans mm -hmm. believe, because there's so many different types. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Wiccan that I uh, reached out to back when I wrote the paper was an eclectic wit witch, she called herself, taking from different uh, streams of thought. Uh, there's various traditions, various uh, movements and sub-movements, and so again, very hard to paint with a broad brush. But uh, in general, uh, Wiccans, can be described as polytheists, believing in more than one god. They could also be described as pantheists, believing that the divine is in the uh, natural world around us. Uh, the way it functions in a lot of Wiccans is they tend to be um, duotheists, 
uh, or dual theists. They have uh, a god and a goddess, maybe like the horn god and the fertility god, and so that's kind of how how it functions uh, with God. They also have a sacred book. They call it the Book of Shadows, and they describe it as a book that has power, a book that um, uh, that the power is can be transmitted as it's copied, as it's written down. And the way it functions is that maybe the high priest or high priestess will maintain the Book of Shadows, but every uh, member of, of the coven, which we'll, we'll get to, is encouraged to have maybe an abbreviated form so that they could be doing different spells or different uh, uh, whatever they're doing um, at home. And also this Book of Shadows is always to be handwritten, never to be typed. They, they believe in a spirit world. In fact, they believe that kind of everything has a spirit. Rocks, trees, I mean, uh, spirit world is, 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 is everywhere. They have this idea that they can commune with the spirits. Uh, they can even maybe change some things and, and control things. They don't have a huge view of the demonic, like, you know, Christian world. We, we mm. talk about Satan, demonic. Uh, for them, they call them malignant spirits. And they're described as being inconvenient or a nuisance. So not, you know, in, in the Christian world, we have a kind of a, you know, capital E evil understanding of like Satan and, and his demons, whereas it's more um, watered down, I guess, with the, with the uh, Wiccans. Um, in terms of their communal structure, they have a coven. A, a coven is a word that was first mentioned in 1662 at the trial of Isabel Gowdy, and uh, it refers to a group of witches that meet on a regular basis. <clears throat> so you might be part of a coven of, of, of witches. Typically there might be like 13 uh, in, in the coven, but the 13 does not include the elders, so that there might be up to eight elders uh, in, a, in a coven. Each coven is autonomous, but they can gather with other covens and have a grand sabbat. Or, um, and uh, there are some traditions, I'm told, that uh, many of the covens will have an actual witch queen that'll be kind of over several, several covens. Hmm. Um, there's an initiation process to get into these covens. Uh, there's a challenge, there's an oath of secrecy, there's imparting of, of knowledge, there's a symbol of death and a rebirth. And here I think you can see some of the kind of the Masonic uh, um, reflections of, of Gardner uh, coming to bear here. They even have different stages. You know, as you come into the coven, a neophyte stage, first degree, second degree, third degree. In the first degree stage, you're taught uh, astrology, herbology, divination, various uh, rituals. And as you gain mastery of, of those, you move up to the next uh, degree. Uh, in terms of ethics, they don't have a kind of a hard, fast, uh, um, uh, moral absolute idea. So that like they don't have like, you know, uh, Ten Commandments written by the finger of God kind of idea. Um, they, they go by what's called the Wiccan Reed. And the Wiccan Reed says, and it harm none, do what thou wilt. Meaning, if it doesn't harm anybody, if it doesn't harm yourself, do it. And... Um, they believe that whether you do good or bad, the, the, uh, the threefold law comes into play. And the threefold law is whatever you do will happen to you three times or three times the intensity. <clears throat> so if you rob a store, 
uh, you will be robbed three times, or someone will rob you so severely three times the intensity. And um, so that kind of plays into, into Wicca. And so uh, many Wiccans believe that there can really only be a white witch because, it, you know, a witch that supposedly does good because if you're, you know, the quote-unquote black witch or evil witch, uh, you'll have so much evil coming upon you all the time that you wouldn't be able to function. Uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of the afterlife, they sometimes call the afterlife Summerland. And it's a place that you, know, you go to. It's not like, you know, in the Christian idea of like final judgment, final reward or something like that. It's not necessarily a place like that. It's a place that resembles our plane of existence here. And it's a place where we reflect on the lessons that we've learned in the past life and the lessons that maybe we need to learn in a future life. And so this also plays into the Wiccan understanding of reincarnation. Uh, Wiccans believe in reincarnation, but not like the Buddhists do. They, they differ a little bit from the Buddhists. Uh, whereas in Buddhism, you're you know, reincarnated until basically you reach nirvana, you break that cycle, you, you reach enlightenment where you kind of break that uh, reincarnation cycle and kind of get out of that. Whereas in Wicca, reincarnation functions almost like school. So everybody needs to learn. Um, and the way that we learn is we live a life maybe as a man, and then we live a life as a woman, and then we live a life as a, a, a squid, whatever. And you know, as we <clears throat> as we live various lives, we we learn. And when our school program is over, we kind of graduate, so to speak. Uh, graduation means that you then become one with the god and the goddess, uh, or one with the gods, or how, however it's it's conceived. Um, also, Wiccans don't believe, and this is a little bit different from the Eastern religions, where Eastern religions um, <clears throat> might say that if you're evil and wicked in this life, it might come to haunt you in the next life. Well, the Wiccans don't believe that. They think that the threefold law of something, coming, you know, something happening to you three times or three times the intensity will happen in your lifetime. It doesn't follow you to the next life. So when you hit the next life, you hit it fresh. You know, if you were, were terrible as a man, maybe you'll, you'll do better as a, as a woman the next life. Again, as, as the program ends, then you are one with the gods. That's kind of their whole afterlife scheme. Hmm. Well, that's certainly a lot of that news to me. So the, um, what then, you know, you've discussed their historical foundations and their beliefs, and that they get together in these convents, I think is what you called it, what do they do? Do they have worship services? What are their practices when they're together or by themselves? What do their meetings look like? Uh, could you flush that out for us a little bit? So Wiccans uh, have uh, regular meetings. They also have special meetings. A regular meeting would be an e-sabbat or an esabit. It's basically where it's, it's the regular meeting of the coven, and they might meet every month. They might meet once a week. They try to maybe time it around the full moon. And um, uh, during this time, during uh, one of the regular meetings, they can have a wickening, uh, kind of like a christening, almost like a counterfeit uh, christening of sorts. It's, it's uh, equivalent, they would even admit, to like a Christian view of baptism, in a way. It's a time when you would dedicate your child to, to the god or goddess. You would actually sprinkle salt water on the child, and you would pass... The child through smoke of incense that is uh, arising up 
and um, uh, th that would kind of happen on the on the normal meetings. Special meetings they have eight special meetings uh, uh, every every year, and that <clears throat> that usually would in involve more covens. So maybe several groups coming together to form kind of one big uh, group. They it's like a presbytery meeting. A presbytery meeting, <laughs> uh, classes meeting. That's yeah. Right. Um, they, they come together, they, they form what's called the Magic Circle. It's about nine feet in diameter. Uh, they have an altar there, they have candles, they have a sword, bowls of water, salt. Uh, they have a censer, incense, a candle, uh, um, an altar candle. They, they have you know, all of these different elements, and it's all prearranged prior to the service. And uh, the high priest will begin you know, blessing and consecrating these elements mm. and things like that. They perform different healings, so they have this idea of cone magic. So as you're in this circle, by various chanting, singing, uh, reciting things, moving in a counterclockwise way, they believe that they can form an energy that looks like a cone, and they can direct the power of the cone anywhere. Um, including places that are not even present to them. So they could direct an energy to somebody across the world uh, to heal them, perhaps. And actually, as I was talking with um, the, the, the witch after I wrote the paper, she was telling me that her husband had cancer and they were using cone magic uh, to, to heal him of his cancer. So um, <clears throat> there's a lot more to it uh, in terms of their practices, but that kind of highlights some of the big, uh, the big things there. Wow, that's a helpful summary. Thank you for that, and uh, definitely learn some things from that. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, 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 Zach, maybe like bringing it kind of maybe more pastoral. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, as you search, uh, you know, Disney or Netflix or just wh wherever, there seem to be an explosion of cartoons and TV shows that kind of glamorize witches and you know, turn witches into this something that people aspire to be, even. Now, you know, we, we, we know that various writers throughout, even in Christian circles, Narnia, for example, there's a witch, but she's portrayed in an evil way for uh, kind of, you know, what she is. And, you know, in, in Narnia, she's that kind of satanic figure, that, uh, that serpent in the garden. And, um, but in a lot of other modern renditions, now we've kind of turned the witch into somebody that we want to be. And uh, so maybe, you know, people are are um, wondering what they should do or are uh, wondering what does God think about witchcraft in general? Maybe you can reflect biblically what has God said about these matters? Sure, yeah. I think that as we just think, uh, begin thinking big picture about this, the Bible does present the occult, the dark arts, the dark magic in a very negative light and something that is not to be played around with, uh, something that is uh, connected um, to uh, the demonic and uh, things that are uh, not at all friendly and uh, desirable and, uh, and neutral. Uh, a few places you might turn in your Bibles if you want to um, read more about this directly. Uh, for example, Deuteronomy 18 verses 10 and 11, where the Lord says, There shall not be found among you anyone who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. To a similar uh, effect, Leviticus 19, verse 22, 
the Lord uh, forbids, saying, You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. This is not just the Old Testament, though. Um, this moral concern about these dark arts, it certainly appears within the New as well. So if anyone wants to try to say, oh, that's just New Old Testament stuff. Well, no, not even close. Uh, Galatians 5 speaks about um, sorcery in the same breath as many other sins. It says the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. These are big, big sins. Then it says sorcery, enmity, envy, drunkenness orgies and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Or in um, Acts chapter 19 verses 19 and 20 that um, those who had were converted to Christianity and who, who had previously practiced uh, sorcery brought scrolls together and burned them publicly. This is part of the re repentance and that the uh, total of the value of those scrolls was a very very great and um, that, that brought glory to the Lord and brought many to uh, come to salvation in Jesus Christ. Again, Acts 19, verses 19 and 20. So within these kinds of things, just having a biblical understanding that this is not something that is to be uh, played around with. Uh, don't go out and be you know, buying Ouija boards or something like that. Uh, this is something that uh, leads us astray from real reality as God has created it. And as Brandon mentioned already, that when we think about the uh, world around us, that the demons are real, that the uh, demonic is real, that uh, things like witchcraft are uh, evil and wicked, and the, the, the very fact that it's on the rise, the culture is um, portraying this as something friendly and wonderful and desirable, that uh, we should certainly be um, on guard um, with respect to that. I think that it is important to think about how, how it might um, things like witchcraft and spells be, how is it being portrayed within a, a, a work of art, for example, a, a show or a movie. Um, as Brandon mentioned, as you said, the uh, like Narnia, for example, incorporates witchcraft, but it portrays it in a purely uh, negative light. Something like uh, Lord of the Rings, it portrays witchcraft, but it's within a world of complete fantasy where no one would ever imagine that, oh, this is something that I could do, and I could go forward and be like this and act like this, and that, that's me, I aspire to that. No one would ever go to that point. Uh, but then there are some shows that um, make it desirable and uh, present uh, witches and witchcraft as something um, exemplary and to be sought after. And it's those places where I think that we should be especially on guard and especially alert. Uh, Brandon, if you have any more things to add on that. Um, um, so, I mean, the way that I concluded the paper mm -hmm. was kind of taking that, taking all that I had learned in, in the study and uh, just trying to like think through how, how can we evangelize mm -hmm. those who are in who are in Wicca. And so, you know, you might see it here or there, you might have a friend who's who's in it. So kind of reflecting, you know, as I think big picture on, you know, what are some things that we could uh, we could say or what are some avenues that we could uh, we could speak into. And of course, I mean the gospel is is always just a great place to start. I mean, um, there's power in God's word speaking speaking the gospel. So you know as we're as we're approaching somebody who might might be caught up in, in Wicca, it it makes a difference, I think, too, on kind of how how into it they are. You know, are they a high priest or are they kind of this person who just kind of has this weird interest and he's just starting to dabble in it? Um, 
<clears throat> several people that I've known in Wicca have known that there's something evil going on. They've had dark things happen. They've had unexplainable things happen. They've, they've dabbled in things and had very unintended, bad consequences. And so you might be able to say to somebody like that, like, and, and, and just affirm, like, yes, uh, witchcraft is a real thing. It's something that we see throughout Scripture. It's something that, you know, the Bible doesn't say it's fake or something like that. But it's, it's the power is a demonic thing. It's tied to uh, a more demonic realm. And so we ought not go in that direction. And so somebody who has maybe experienced something dark from something that they were dabbling with, we could reaffirm and say, you're playing with fire and you don't want to go in that direction. Let me point you in a better direction. Some, some people who are caught up in, in Wicca, they like the... I don't know the structures of it. They like the social aspect. They like the the rituals, and um, we like rituals too. But we like good rituals, not um, rituals that are that are dark and and dealing with demonic. We like rituals that are given by God, and so maybe uh, by, maybe pointing them to a, a better way. You know, um, it's often I think helpful to kind of find what. What's attracting them to witchcraft, which sometimes could be a a good impulse gone bad or a good impulse latched on to a wrong thing, and so maybe redirecting that impulse and saying you can find fulfillment here in Christ, not in in what you're doing. Uh, <clears throat> so I think going there. When I was reading about uh, evangelizing uh, witches, one person mentioned that in in her experience. Wiccans had a positive view of Jesus, actually. When she spoke about Jesus, they tended to have a, a positive image of, of, of Christ as, as a healer, as somebody who loves, as um, uh, etc. And so maybe starting, starting there and, and starting with Christ. So there's different you know, avenues in, and it kind of depends on who, on who you're talking to, I think. But um, we, we always just we really give the gospel and... Uh, pray that uh, that God would be pleased to use the gospel presentation to awaken hearts and minds. Um, so that's just a, a few a few thoughts that uh, that I had. I appreciate that, Brandon, and uh, hope that uh, you found this to be beneficial as well. Probably something that we don't uh, oftentimes think about. I know that I certainly have not spent uh, much time on this topic at all. So I thank you. I hope that you found this to be beneficial. Again, if you have any questions or any uh, feedback for us, uh, do get in touch. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, this week with the uh, Sensory Reform Podcast. Uh, my name is Zach uh, Wise. I'm here with my co-pastor, Brandon Burks. We're part of the uh, Westside Reform Church, and we hope that um, you might join us sometime. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us this week. Bye-bye.